Have you ever heard, or maybe, maybe you've even, like I have sometimes, said something really um, awkward when you try to reach out to someone who's suffering to comfort them? You ever heard some of the advice that people give people when they're suffering? Some of the really goofy things that we say sometimes? I just wrote down a few of them. Usually when someone's suffering, if the phrase of comfort you start with is something like this, well, it could be worse. How many of you know that's not really the best way to start? Well, I mean, that just never occurred to me that it could be worse. I feel so much better now, now that I know that it could be worse. I mean, it could be worse. You could have broke both legs. Wow, I feel so much better now. I believe in you. You'll bounce back soon. Sort of sounds like stop whining and get going. I know exactly how you feel. Do you? Do you really? I mean, really, you know exactly how I feel. This is nothing. I saw a new reality show called Worst Case Scenario Ever. Wow. Yes, but think about all the starving children in Africa. I feel so much better. This is all part of God's plan for your life. Wow, I wish He would give it to you. Look at what all you have to be thankful for. This is behind you now. It's time to get on with your life. At least you've had a good life up until now. Well, I never thought about it that way. At least it's not as bad as the time that I went through this. Ah. Now you'll find out who your real friends are. Boy, what I've always wanted to know. Remember that time you had a negative thought? That's why all this is happening. Maybe God is punishing you. Are you living in sin somehow? Well, this is brilliant advice, isn't it? It's like counseling 101. You're not going to let this get you down, are you? How do you, how do you handle grief? Anytime there's a serious negative change in our life, we experience loss, and loss causes us to grieve. And I think of all the losses that I've seen in people's lives through the years. When our, when our congregation went through Hurricane Katrina in Gulfport, we knew people that lost every childhood picture they ever had, every family photo, all their personal documents, all their memorabilia, everything. It's like their, their life had been washed out to sea and nothing was left but a frame. Divorces, separations, marriages that have been lost, job loss, relocation, accidents, injuries. People lose their health. People pass away. They lose the relationship of a loved one. Unfulfilled dreams, dreams that are lost, ideas that never came to pass. Friendships, dating relationships, way of living, 
Loss comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes and levels of severity. How do do we deal with it? How do we heal? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. It's an interesting little verse tucked in there that you're likely to overlook if you don't read it slow. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. I don't think I can read it there. The clouds are blocking it out. Let me try it again. 1 Thessalonians, I'll look it up with you. 4.13 Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Now look at the second half of this verse. Or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We do not want you to be ignorant like those who have fallen asleep, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We're picking back up on our series, Real Hope. The first week we talked about real hope lives. Last week, real hope holds like an anchor in God's presence. Today I want to share with you, real hope heals. This verse suggests that there are two ways to grieve. One ways with hope, and one ways without it. This is one of those messages, even if you don't need it now. Sometime, somewhere, you'll need it. Because nobody wins all the time. Everybody loses something. And somewhere, sometime, this message is also a tool for you to minister to those who you know who have lost something. Or are losing something. Society has a grief management system. A way of dealing with loss and pain. Popular ways. I want to reveal that system to you in the following story. There's a five-year-old boy named John. When his dog dies, John is overwhelmed. He cries relentlessly. He turns to his dad This dog was his constant companion that slept at the foot of his bed, played outside, followed him everywhere he went. John's dad's trying to figure out how to comfort his son, stunned, not knowing what to do. He says, John, it'll be all right. This weekend when school's out, daddy's going to get you another dog. And now John has learned in one response... The first two steps to the world's grief management system. Step one, bury your feelings. Step two, replace the loss. Once you have a new dog, you won't even remember the old dog. Later on in high school, John falls in love. High school sweetheart. Things could not be better for him until his sweetheart dumps him. John's heartbroken. His mom comes to the rescue and says, it's all right, John. There are other fish in the sea. By the next weekend, John's out with a different girl. And now he's got the first two steps down that he'll use to manage all of his losses the rest of his life. Bury the pain, replace the loss. Months later, John's grandfather dies. The one he used to go and stay with and fish with every summer. A note was slipped to him in math class and he read it and he couldn't fight off the tears. He just broke and started to cry at his desk. The teacher felt uncomfortable and not knowing what else to do. She sent him to the office to grieve alone. When John's father brought 
him home from school, he saw his mother through the hallway into the kitchen. She was breaking and crying, and what he wanted to do is go in there and hug her, and John's dad said, no, John, your mom's going to be fine. She just needs some time alone. And by now, John has learned the third step in the world system. Grieve by yourself. So John went to his room and cried and felt all the more lonely. Eventually, the buried loss of his grandfather just kept resurfacing. He tried to numb it out in sports and being active. He tried to function normally, but he found himself thinking of his grandpa more and more. Those fishing trips, those summers, Christmases, birthdays, family reunions, vacations, long talks on the front porch... Finally, he broke down and went to talk to his dad. And he says, Dad, I just can't get over Grandpa being gone. And his dad gave him the fourth step. John, just give it time. The fourth step in the world system to heal you is that time heals all wounds. Have you been keeping track? Bury your feelings, replace the loss, grieve alone. Time heals all wounds. Well, John gave it time and more time. But somehow, the more time he gave it, the more controlled by it he became. Finally, John comes to a difficult conclusion. And he says, if this is what life is all about, dealing with all this stuff, if having close relationships exposes me to the possibility of deep pain, I'll just keep my distance. And now the entire grief system is fully in place with the fifth step. Never trust again. Don't let your guard down. Let's review. Bury your feelings. Replace the loss. Grieve alone. Believe that time heals all wounds. And never trust again. If you and I are honest, most of us have most of those steps built in us. They were put there by the culture and society that we live in. How, how do people deal with grief? Let me just share something with you and why I'm convinced this message is so relevant to so many people. Most, most alcoholics... Workaholics, people with patterns of broken relationship, people who eat compulsively, who have compulsive spending patterns, gamblers, people with addictions of all types, people with emotional dysfunctions, people with trouble with forgiveness and bitterness and relationship and communication have at some point dealt with loss in their life and just grieved wrong. Most of what's worked out in a counselor's office could be worked out if we understood the pattern that God gave us to grief. Nobody wins all the time. Everybody loses something. When you lose something, when you lose someone, how do you deal with it? To the believer... God gives us a better way. Paul said, don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Grieve like those who have hope. The way that God's given us to grieve 
is based on a, a path of hope. Hope that there's life after death. Hope that these losses are temporary. Hope that God's way is a better way of healing. Now what I want to do is I want to compare with you God's plan based on real hope. Real hope heals. Now I want to compare with you God's plan for healing. We talk so much about physical healing. I think sometimes we don't deal with the inner man. Physical healing is incredible. Thank God I want it every time I'm sick. But sometimes I'm sick on the inside. Sometimes we get wounded on the inside. Sometimes a disease has infected our soul. What heals that? God has a way. Let me compare with you God's way. The world system says, bury your feelings. God says, feel your feelings. When Jesus was summoned by some of his closest friends, Lazarus has died. you got to come now. He made it a couple of days later. Lazarus is sick. Then Lazarus died before he got there, buried him. Now, now I want you to try to picture this scene. There the crowd is. Gathered around the grave, the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus walks through the crowd. The crowd parts. This is how I'm picturing it in my mind. Jesus moves to the front, stands and stares at that grave. And the crowd is holding their breath, looking at the back silhouette of him. Waiting to see what he would do. And the Bible says, Jesus wept. There is more theology wrapped up in those two words than you might ever imagine. Jesus wept. Those two words speak volumes to us about grieving. I think people all over the world would do very well if they could just watch Jesus cry. Can you imagine looking at the human physical face of God with tears rolling off of it? I think that people would do well to just see Jesus cry. It might give permission to weep. Weeping is called the language of the soul, the cleansing river of emotion. When when Hurricane Katrina struck our church in Mississippi, <laughs> You can't imagine what happens. It, it, just, it, it just rocks you. For months, you just work seven days a week trying to clean everything up. And then somewhere as the months go by, it starts to dawn on you that something more profound has happened to you than, than buildings being knocked over. You, you, you start to take inventory. Months after the storm. I was walking to the beach one morning. I was doing a prayer walk. And, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And the word that kept coming to my mind was healing. And I was thinking, Lord, what, is that, what does that mean? Why do, you, why do you keep pressing that word into my mind? God, God was healing me, but it didn't dawn on me why. I wasn't sick. My body wasn't hurt. 
There wasn't anything wrong with my physical body. Nothing was broken. I had energy. I was functioning. Then it sunk in. I was damaged on the inside. Our children's school had been washed away. There's nothing but a grassy field where their school used to be. Our church had changed dramatically. People had picked up and moved in the middle of the night. People we saw one week and then never saw again. As the months went by and people tried to work it out, people had to relocate out of state to to secure a job. We had to say goodbye to so many people. And then the stress, what you don't hear about is the stress. When you work seven days a week and run off a recovery adrenaline day in and day out and day in and day out, people's health starts to break down. About a year to two to three years after, people's health starts to break down. I can't tell you how many hospitals I've been in 24 months after the storm. People having a heart attack, bypass surgery, strokes, all kind of anxieties, divorces. People, the divorce rate was off the chart. Suicide rate had quadrupled. It's just dealing with it. The, the, inner, the inner man, the soul is wounded. Divorces, heart attacks. People's health breaking down our entire way of life. It changed. As I continued walking, walking toward the beach that morning, I was struck by two profound truths. God was healing me and He knew I needed it and I didn't. I know it sounds silly. How can you look at someone in some pressurized situation and, and I'm telling you they can be as oblivious You could be sitting here in some pressurized situation this morning, hearing the sound of my voice, and God be tapping on your heart saying, I'm coming to start healing you today, and you not even know you needed it. But as that message absorbed into my brain, as I walked toward the beach, I just began to weep. And I thought, God, you're so good. I didn't even know, what does this word healing mean? I didn't even know I needed healing. And I'm just damaged on the inside. My insides are torn up. And you're just healing me. And he just worked me through a process. I just had to take a few minutes and and just exhale and just let go of some stuff. People who bottle their feelings up don't heal. People who feel them do. The hardest thing to do is the best thing to do sometimes. Embrace your feelings. I thought about Pastor Ron so many times. For those of you who may be guests today, he pastored this church 35 years and 25 of those years had a, had a handicapped wife and cared for her. And I thought about him. How did he stay well? You know what I think part of it was? He was never afraid to laugh or cry. He just wasn't afraid of either one of them. And he's just as likely to switch from one to the other. (laughs) But you know what happens in that process? Man, there's healing in it. There's healing in it. Here's step two. The world system says to you, replace the loss as quick as you can. Don't let that void sit there. Real hope healing says, listen to this if you're taking notes. Reflect on the loss. Reflect on it. Hang out in the sad spot long enough to feel the full effect of the loss. Think about it, talk about it, write about it, pray about it. This is a silly example, but my parents gave me a wonderful gift along this line. 
and I didn't know it at the time. When I was a little kid, we lived in a neighborhood where you had to protect things. They could be stolen. I had a big wheel. I mean, I was a little kid. I had a big wheel. And they said, when you come in the house to go to the bathroom and get something to drink, don't you leave that big wheel out in the front yard. If you do, somebody's going to steal it. And if they steal it, we're not getting you another one. So I, you know, I, as much as a, like a five-year-old or whatever I was could figure that out, I worked on it. And I remember putting that thing out there one day and running into the house to get something. And I got distracted and probably watched TV or something and ran back out there. And that baby was gone. It was gone. My big wheel was gone. And it just shot. I thought, maybe I put it behind the tree. Maybe I put it, and I looked everywhere. I couldn't find it. And my heart just began to sink. Because I thought, oh, no, they were right. Somebody stole it, and it's gone. I went and told my mom and dad, and they said, we told you. It's gone. And we'll not get you another one. And can I tell you, that was the last big wheel I ever rode in my life. I never had another one. But you know what happened? Do you know what, do you know what they forced me to do? It helped me to feel the loss. I know that sounds silly, but to a kid, a toy, it's a big deal. It helped me, it helped me to realize that there's some permanent things. There's some things that you can't undo. There's some things once they're gone, they're gone. And it helped me to feel the loss. It helped me to reflect on it. A few years ago, we had a dog that was tragically killed. And so what I did is we dug a hole and buried him and Two boys were there and Stacy, and we had a funeral. We buried him and sent him on, on his way and covered the hole up and put a little stick cross on top of it. And we had a funeral service. And we probably sang just as I am or something. And we had the little service and buried him. But I looked at my kids and I said, we're not getting another dog. He's gone. And a year and a half later, we got another dog. Because what happened is, is they had time to heal. They had time to absorb the loss and get through it, not just replace it. And I learned that from my parents. So many people today in relationship, the ink is not dry on the divorce papers. And they're already in a serious relationship with somebody else. Can I tell you, it's doomed. It's doomed from the start. It's not going to go well. Because there's been no healing. Don't hide from your pain. Don't hide from it by replacing it. Here's the third step. The world system says grieve alone. God's way is to grieve in community. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. God's approach is the exact opposite of the world's. The Bible has dozens and dozens and dozens of verses urging us, when we're brokenhearted, to stick with family and friends in the community of faith. When Jesus was facing imminent death, what did He do? He called those three inner disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he said, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay with me and pray. I just want to suggest to you, if Jesus needs somebody else to grieve it out, you and I do too. Jesus was facing death. 
He was facing the sin and the darkness of the world. And he called those three guys and he said, I need you right now. Stay with me. (laughs) If Jesus needs it, you and I need it. When we're going through the toughest times of life, we need a community to gather around us. Here's the fourth one. Time heals. Can I tell you, time does not heal. If time healed, there'd be no senior adults on earth that were bitter. Time don't heal. God heals. If 50 years ago, the industrial industry in America thought that we could dig big holes in the earth and drop toxic waste down in it and bury it and it'd be done. But what we've now learned is those barrels rust, that, those chemicals seep out, they get into the water table, they get into the ground, they pollute, they kill animals, they kill the ecosystem around, they do damage, they kill crops. Buried grief does the same thing. If you and I think that just enough time passing will bury it deep enough that it won't come out, can I tell you, un un processed grief, unprocessed loss will seep up out of our past like toxic waste and poison the present and the future. It'll poison it. It'll wreck it. Raw time doesn't heal. Buried pain leaks into our emotional system and wreaks havoc. It distorts our perception. It taints our relationship. It it contaminates us subconsciously. The only thing that time does is it helps you forget the details. And you can think, because I can't remember the details, that I'm better. But the damage is still there. You have to humbly ask the Holy Spirit into your inner life and ask Him to heal you. And He will. And and listen, it's not that God can't heal inner wounds instantly... It's that you and I can't receive healing on them instantly. Because they're layered in and they got to be layered out. So it doesn't take God time, it takes us time. Here's the last step. And I'm going to ask Pastor Micah to come. The world's healing system says, never trust again. Real hope says, you can have relationships again. But... Have them in God's way. Have them in God's time. Have them after God's process has worked in you. You and I have the privilege of grieving like those who have hope. We have the privilege of healing, but we also, listen to this, have the responsibility to heal. Much of the damage that you and I have ever done on another person has come out of an inner life that may not be healed over something. Can I tell you, hurt people hurt people? And, and you can wall it off and shut it off and bury it and separate from it and whatever else you want to do. But it seeps out. And it doesn't just seep out and affect you. It seeps out and affects those around you. 
One of the things that really clogs up the pipes of our hope in God is unresolved loss. When we haven't dealt with the things that we've lost, we've got to grieve like those who have hope. Would you stand with me this morning? Every eye closed. We want to move to a prayer time now. I need our altar teams to get in place. This morning, the best thing you can do is let, is let the Lord do what He did with me. The Holy Spirit that walked beside me toward the beach that morning will walk beside you this morning to this altar. How do you respond to a message like this? How do you respond? Just as surely as the Holy Spirit has touched your heart, spoken to you, it may have been years ago, it may have been a loss that was your fault, it may have been a loss that was completely out of your control. It doesn't matter. I just bared my soul with you this morning. There have been times in my life my inner man was just damaged. I just want to share with you the Holy Spirit wants to whisper to you in this moment healing healing I have a plan for you I have a way for you I want to heal you but you have to respond you have to answer that call you have to say yes Lord there's some stuff rattling on the inside we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to reveal you in any way. We just have people here this morning that want to pray with you. I'll be here to pray with you. With every eye closed. Lord, I love you. And I trust you. And I believe in your hand to heal. You've, you've healed me. And you're probably still healing me in some ways that I'm, I'm not even clear on yet this morning. God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful you've given us real hope. We can wade into the darkest moments of our life and heal through them because of the hope you've given us. With every eye closed, this morning you say,